0: We are continuing our series with knowing the community of Christ, knowing the body of Christ and how important that is. And so if you did not hear last week's sermon, I encourage you after today to go and listen to it because this is really a part two to that sermon. You don't have to have heard it to receive today, but today might feel a bit like I'm just kind of jumping in to a really kind of heavy, challenging teaching without giving you the why. And that's because last week, Dr. Crystal Uh, gave just an excellent sermon on the why of community, of why community is important, why we need to be in relationship. And she spent the whole sermon taking us back to Genesis and showing how God created us to be in relationship. So today is a part two to that, to continue it on, to talk about one of the most common things that takes us out of fellowship and out of community, which is offense, getting offended, being offended, getting hurt by the people around you, and so as we challenge ourselves today, and I'm speaking to myself too, as I challenge myself in how the Bible calls us to deal with offense, if you didn't hear last week, you might be like, why is it worth all that? I'll just peace out, you know, <laughs> and, and get rid of the drama, so she gave the why, so please go listen to that sermon if, if you missed that. Three weeks ago, David and I went into a payless shoe store because they went out of business. Did anyone else get shoes on sale there? Okay. So I saw the banner like 80% off and I one night when we were driving home, and so I said, David, can we go there? I would love to get some extra shoes for Sayla. We have a five-year-old. And the shoes were so cheap. So I was like, let me just get, I'm just gonna get a few sizes too big so that she'll grow into them because one of the worst things is spending like 20 to 30 dollars on a pair of shoes for a little kid who's going to grow out of them in in four months you know or, or take them through the mud so I was like "Ooh, i'm going to get several pairs for school next year so he's like okay so we go in payless and i'm in the kid's shoe section just trying to figure out what will work for school and he and Sayla are just kind of playing together she was not just to clarify she was not Yelling or running or screaming, but they were just kind of playing, you know, like across the aisle. I don't know if you ever did this when you were a kid, but you kind of like hide, and then your parent finds you. And so they were just kind of doing that kind of a thing, quietly. And so I'm picking out shoes, and then I hear David's voice, and he says, "Do we have a problem here?" And I'm like, "What?" At first, I thought, "Is he playing with Sela? Like this is getting into some weird game?" And then he says. If you have something to say, say it to me while I'm looking at you into my face. And I am, okay, so here we see our personalities. I am in the aisle, frozen. I do not go to see what's happening. I just, hold out. I mean, my arms are full of boxes of shoes and so I just say out loud to the whole store, David, is that you? Because I was so shocked. We have been married for 13 years. We've been together, you know, a couple for 15 years. I have known him for 20 years. I have never once seen him get in an alter a fight with someone. I mean, period. Much less a stranger in a store. So I was just like, "What is happening?" So he So that I still don't move. I still don't see what's going on. I just wait. I'm like, David. So he comes around, and I start whispering as if because it was already so awkward. And I said was that you (laughs) talking to someone that way? Because I was like trying to figure out what happened. He's like, was it me? He's like, so then he explains what happened. And I could not hear the other side of the story. So what had happened was this older gentleman who we presume worked there, but we're not sure, Went up to Selah. Selah was hiding kind of like under the benches that you sit on to try shoes. But there were just tons of them in this corner. No one in the store. David is right there. And so Selah was like hiding underneath them as they're playing. So this man comes up to her, does not address David. If he would have told David, the parent, like, hey, can you please not have fun? Then I understand that. I understand that. You know, retail and all this, it's fine. But he did not address David. He goes up to Selah, bends down and says, you better stay close to your parents and stop playing because men like to steal little girls like you. So that's when David, I didn't hear this part, but David said, no, 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 she's fine, she's with me. Because he thought maybe our family, we don't look like a family, you know, but we have an adoptive family. So he thought maybe he didn't know I was her dad. So that's when he said, hey, I've got this under control. I'm her dad, I'm right here. And that's when the man said, apparently you don't have it under control. And that's when David said, do we have a problem? And then the guy didn't say anything and ignored him. So then David started walking to me, who had then said, David, is that you? And as he walked away, the man said, oh, you're not going to get the last word in this. And that's when David turned and said, if you have something to say, just say it while I'm looking at you to my face. And get it out, and that was like the end of it. So, anyways, he's he's telling me this in a normal voice, as I'm trying to get him to whisper because I'm like, they can hear us. Everyone in the store can hear us. So then, when I find out, like he was. cuckoo and was being weird with Selah. So then I just dropped all the shoes. I'm like, let's set them down. I was like, we're not going to spend money here. We're not going to spend money. So then I grabbed Selah's hand. I'm like, let's go to the car. So I go to the car and then David takes the moment. He had this Julia Roberts pretty woman moment. He picks up the shoes. He's like, you just lost business. Big mistake. And he's like waving these shoes around, these $4 shoes. I'm already in the car watching through the glass. I'm like, what is he doing? And he's telling the whole store, they lost business because this man is rude. I'm thinking that the $4 is not keeping that payless in business. But, you know, whatever. Go for it. So when I talk about offenses today, I'm not talking about that. That's just a weird encounter with a person, right? That's just a funny story you tell later. It's not something that keeps you up at night or it shouldn't. If that would, it shouldn't keep you up at night. What well, I'm talking about today are offenses we have in relationships, people closest to you, marriage, friendships, pastors, small groups. Those are the things that take us out, right? Because you can have strange encounters with strangers or the fights on Facebook. You know, it's just like whatever. But the hurts that we receive in the relationships closest to us are the ones that take us out of the running when it comes the fellowshipping and being the body of Christ, like God has asked us to be how He established the church to be. So before we really get into the two points that we're looking at today, I want to start with two disclaimers because that's who I am. Gotta make it clear to make sure there's not there's no misunderstanding here. The first uh, thing I want you to know that I'm not referencing today when we're talking about offense and just basically how we have to get over it, and it's gonna be a challenging word today to Christians. Um I'm not talking about abuse. So if you are in an abusive relationship, physical, sexual, verbal, emotional, this instruction is not for you. There's a different path forward for you, right? And we want to help you with that. We want to help you get out of that. So so when when I'm challenging us today, I'm not talking about abuse. That's, That's something different, okay? I'm talking about the hurt feelings, the normal offenses that are not crossing the line into being abusive. And secondly, I'm not referencing the healthy boundaries that we all should have. Because I'm going to use, I'm going to talk about boundaries. I'm going to say, use the word like we set up boundaries around ourselves. But I'm not referring to healthy boundaries. We need healthy boundaries. I'm here for that. I'm all in for that. Those are good. I'm going to be talking about the extra boundaries we start to put. So, for example, a healthy boundary that you should have in your life is like, for example, not to be a workaholic, right? You don't want to work, work, work to the bone and destroy your family, Have no part in the body of Christ because you're just you have no boundary to know when it's time to rest, when it's time to you know have fellowship. If you have people in your past or people that you would be prone or have a propensity to sin with, like if I have a background where I used to do drugs or be an alcoholic, you know, it's a healthy boundary for me to cut some people out, but it's just like it's too risky when I'm with this person. I'm getting high or I'm falling in sin or I'm going to have an affair. You know, it's very likely. You know, those things, those are healthy boundaries. There are some people you just need. There's no going back there for me. You know, I'm a changed person and the risk is too high. Or if there's someone in your life that manipulates you and you don't see it, people are going to try to manipulate you. I have a five-year-old and you'll know people try to manipulate you. The problem is when you don't know, you don't see it, and then you've done something, you've been manipulated, you've hurt your family. Okay, those, that's healthy boundaries. We need those. However, in the church, we see so often through conversations or even just posts, even TV shows that are portraying healthy boundaries now that really just mean, let me remove myself from any fellowship that causes friction. And my challenge to us today is that we not do that because we can't rather than having healthy boundaries that protect us from dangerous or unhealthy situations we set boundaries because we have offenses or because we don't want to be uncomfortable we don't want to be challenged to grow in these areas where this this particular person this family member you know something about them ru- irks us the wrong way so our challenge today is that we as christians shouldn't be so sensitive Easily annoyed, offendable, or impatient, that we can't have relationships with imperfect people. Because that's what we're here to do. (laughs) We're here, we are called on this earth to be the salt and light in the world, right? That was our first week's message from Pastor Mark. We are the salt and light. And if I have a philosophy that's just like, 2019 is the year where I'm piecing out all negative people out of my life, all relationships that cause drama, peace, you know. Okay, but that, you're not the salt and light at that point. You're just like, let me make my bubble where I can have the most comfortable carefree life I can. And I understand why an unsaved person would have that philosophy because that's the closest thing to inner peace they can find. They don't have inner peace. They don't have a savior that came, took their sin, took their anxiety, took their burden and said, place it on me. I give you my peace. They don't have that. And so I can see that it's about as healthy as you can probably try to be if you do not have God as your savior to just be like, cut out the negativity, cut it out so that I can try to live as peaceful and as happy as I can. But the problem with that for us Christians is that we follow Jesus as our example. And Jesus did not come for the easy crowd. He did not only come for the easy crowd. He didn't come. He came for the needy he came for the demoniac. he came for the sick, he came for the broken, he came for the doubters, he came for those that were gaining their occupation and identity through their sexuality. That is who Jesus came to save, all of us. And when we look at his life, the ministry that he had on this earth, think about the chaos that ensued around him. When you read the scriptures and you see when he'd go into a town, people would manifest, who would scream out, get out of here. You know, how terrifying would that be? You had sick people sitting on the side of the road screaming, please come over here, come visit me. Crowds of people pushing around him just to see the celebrity that he was. And so this madness, this, imagine how emotionally draining that environment would be, but that's who Jesus, that's what he came to do. And we see him take times of rest. Yes, he drew away to solitude, to spend time with the Father, to recharge healthy boundaries. Yes, you need that. But then he went back into the fray, back into the darkness, back into the emotionally unstable world that we are, and he came for us, and he is our example. And I think it can be easier with the unsaved people, like let's say coworkers, because you know, like, oh, they're not Christians. I need to be example. So you, I think we tend to have more grace with unsaved people than we do with our own church community, because if a coworker, you know, is like, ah, drive me crazy. It's okay, they're not saved, and I need to be example. So you're like on your best behavior, right? But then you come to church, and you're like, oh, she's at it again. You know, belly aching about the same. Christ. You know, we don't extend that same amount of grace to people who are saved and we start to just have like all these rules and conditions on what it will take for me to have fellowship within the church. Well, I don't want to be a part of the singles. They are just love marriage crazy. I don't want to be in a mom group because then it's all, you know, we do that. We have all these little things that we, all these conditions on what it will take for us to fellowship and, and love one another and be in community with each other. But Jesus is our example. And he came to people who are going to hate him. And he came and did not protect himself against the people that were going to betray him. He still loved them. He still let them in. And so we follow him as our example. So let's look today at two things that will help us grow. Because Christians should have the thickest skin and the softest hearts. Right? Amen? You know what that means? That means I have thick skin. It means it's not easy to offend me. It's not easy to hurt my feelings. I have thick skin. And I have a soft heart so that when the day comes that my feelings do get hurt, I do get offended, I'm quick to reconcile. I have a heart that's soft that says, no, no, let's make this right. But oftentimes it's the opposite, right? In churches, boy, our skin is so thin that it's just like, oh, she looked at me wrong. And I'm just like, mm, going to first service next week. You know, it's just like. How can I avoid, you know, seeing that? And then our hearts get so hardened. Like, I'm not trying again with her. Like, I've tried. The drama is too much. You know, he's too cocky, whatever. And our hearts get so hardened. So how can we get thick skin and have soft hearts? So we're going to look at, one, to strive to be without offense, and two, to seek reconciliation. That's how we get spiritually thick skin and soft hearts. So let's look at the first one, to strive to be without offense, Acts 24:16. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense towards God and men. And that was quite a statement coming from Paul because in this chapter here, he is standing before the governor and people have brought him to the governor trying to get him in trouble and they were saying, oh, he's starting a riot. He follows a cult. This is a bad guy. You gotta, you gotta do something terrible to him. And so this is after he's heard all these people falsely accuse him of things and he stands up before the council and he, it's a whole long, beautiful speech if you read the chapter, but this is one of the things he says, this being so, I'm not going to have an offense towards God, Amen. That's saying something, right? For these people that were accusing him, I'm not going to take offense. So, what are some—I don't want to say steps, but let's talk about the path forward. When you have an offense, it's going to happen. Living in community, living—even um, just Christianity in itself—is offensive to our flesh, right? The things the Bible asks us to do, it can offend our flesh. So, what are what can we do to get thicker skin? So the first thing is don't run when there's conflict. Don't run. When there's that friction in a relationship, that's good. You need that trial to bring out the impurities. You know how they make gold and silver and they put it in what they call the refiner's fire? and they melt it, and all the impurities in that and silver, they bubble up to the surface, and then they scrape off the impurities off the top. And conflict in relationship, hurt feelings, friction, that is our refiner's fire. That shows you what's really in your heart, right? That shows you what's in there. When you get irritated, when you get hurt, when you get offended, when you feel underappreciated, that is that trial by fire to show this is what's really in there. Everyone wants to think like vacation me is the real me. Vacation you is not the real you, right? That's why they call it the honeymoon when you get married and it's like this nice fake reality, which is wonderful to have when you're first married. You know, you go away, you don't work, you're just on the beach sipping pina coladas, you know, just doing whatever you want for fun all day. But then you come home And it's back to work, right? And now you're living with this person that you're like, I thought I knew you, but turns out you're a stranger (laughs) because you got some crazy. When I first got married, David put, when he did laundry, everything went in the laundry. A towel, a pair of jeans, a nice t-shirt. I was like, what kind of sorcery is this? Witchcraft—it's just everything. You know, when you get married, now you're back to the real world, right? The honeymoon is over, but that's when you see what's really inside you. And so, when you have conflicts in this church, when you get offended with the pastors, when you have a disagreement with your mentor or friend, that is how you see what is what you're really made up of, what's in your heart. And as those things surface, those insecurities, those frustrations. The, the automatic places we go to in our mind when we assume the worst shows you what's in there. And then God says, that is how I can sanctify you. That offense sifts you. It allows you to see where you need sanctification, where you need to continue to grow and repent. It's very easy to come to church or go to a small group or even in your families. Saved or unsaved, and you just think, gosh, why? I get my feelings hurt here so much. It cannot be God's will for me to be in a church where I get my feelings hurt this much, or for me to be in this small group or this community. But God's, we don't see anywhere in the scriptures that it's not God's plan for us to face difficulty, right? He allows us to face trials, to face that friction, because He knows that is what sanctifies you. Listen, Jesus offended his followers, he offended his hometown, he offended his family, he offended the people around him, not because he was trying to be offensive, but he wasn't afraid of them getting offended by Christianity, by truth, because he knows that's what sifts you. You need that sifting to that friction so that the impurities come to the surface. So don't run from conflict, that's the first thing. Second thing is admit when you've been hurt. And this one's very simple, but for some, this is very hard. You know, I've talked to people and it's like, um, well, I'm not going back to that group or I'm not going to really hang out with them anymore. And I'm like, oh, well, you've been hurt. Let's talk about it. Well, no, I'm not hurt. I, and I'm like, okay. Sometimes it's hard for us to just admit. It takes a humility. Pride will keep you from admitting, I, I've been offended, I've been hurt here. But you have to admit that to be able to move forward and forgive And be rid of that offense. So the next we forgive, right? We know the scripture talks over and over about forgiveness. And something that helps us as Christians forgive is one, because we know Christ forgave us. But we think about where would I be if Christ hadn't saved me? Where would I be if I didn't have his forgiveness? And that kind of helps us be able to put that offense in its proper place. Because forgiveness requires a death, right? It required the death of Christ. He had to come die to forgive me, to forgive our sins, but it re- also requires a death in me. When I've been offended, when someone hurts, let's say someone hurts my feelings, I have to die to wanting vindication, right? That's what forgiveness says. That's what overlooking an offense is saying, oh, I want vindication, or oh, I want revenge, or oh, I want to hear that they're so, they were so wrong and they're so sorry. But I might not get to hear that. I don't get that revenge. So I'm going to die to that desire. I'm going to die to to that right I feel like I have for vindication. And that death, that wrestling inside of you to say, okay, I'm going to die to this need to be vindicated. And I'm letting it go. That's why forgiveness feels so difficult. Even though Christ has done the work for us. So we forgive. And once we've forgiven, we pray for them. The Bible tells us to pray for those who hurt you, to bless those who persecute you. And this helps change your emotion. Because if you have an offense that's been really deep, not just like eh, a little annoyance. If it's been a deep wound, just saying, okay, Lord, I forgive them. Sometimes you don't feel that emotion change right away, right? It takes saying, confessing it over and over each day. And so praying for the people that have hurt you, the people you're offended with, helps change that emotion. It helps change your spirit to be in the right place. So when you first start praying, uh, you know, it might start as a prayer of like, God, bring your fire, (laughs) you know, let them know. But no, we need to speak out, bless them, God. Bless them, God. And guess what? One day, day, the morning will come when you say, Lord, bless them. I want you to bless them. And you will feel that in your heart. You will have that change in your emotion because that forgiveness will have taken place. And there's a difference between anger and bitterness because anger is not necessarily sinful. You can act in anger, but the emotion of anger is not a sin, right? Because anger says, this is wrong and injustice has happened. And there's many times we need to say, yo, this is wrong. This is not right. But bitterness moves to the place where now you're wanting something bad to happen to them. Gosh, I wish they would just lose their job. They deserve to have their job lost, not that other person man, I wish they would just get off their high horse. I wish something would just take them down and notch your two. Okay, now you know you've moved into bitterness. This is not anger over an injustice. You've let bitterness grow in your heart and prayer, blessing that person is what's gonna help um, root that bitterness out of your heart. Okay, so you've done this. Now we're ready. You've, you've, you didn't run from the conflict. You got your feelings hurt. You admitted it. You forgave them. You prayed for them and now, We can seek reconciliation. And this is how we keep a soft heart, a spiritually soft heart. It means asking forgiveness for holding an offense. Now, this one's the most shocking one of all because it's like, what? They hurt me. And now you're saying I need to go to them and say sorry for being offended with you. Yes, that's what the scripture tells us to do. That's what keeps our hearts soft. Because if it's gone something past just like, you know, a minor irritation, we're like, okay, it's not even a big deal, I forgive them. But it's been something that you took hold of as an offense that you've been wrestling through. The scriptures tell us we need to be reconciled. Matthew 5.23, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. And the scriptures before this was talking about anger and when you call people a fool and you, and you say things in your heart against them. And so here we see it saying, if you, if your brother has something against you, if there is an offense that is not reconciled, don't do your religious duties before you have obeyed me. Why would Jesus make this um, example? This, is, this was a very shocking example at the time because when the Jews would come to present their altar at the temple, There was one temple, right? And so this would be a a journey that would require a lot of travel, maybe weeks, maybe all their money. So when he's saying, when you finally get up and it's your turn to give that offering, and you forgot there's someone that has an offense to wait... He was saying, it's not the equivalent of like waiting in line at Walmart for your groceries and then you forget an item and you're like, shoot, and you go out and you have to wait in that Walmart line again. No, this is like saying you're at Disney. You waited three hours in the line at Disney. You get up to get on the ride. You forget. You leave that ride. You leave Disney. You walk home to Orlando. You reconcile. You walk back to Disney. You get back in that three-hour line. That, what, that's what he said was so shocking to people when he gave this example. Why would he give such a, such a striking example? It's because this is how important reconciliation is to our Father. Reconciliation is your worship. It is your worship. So he's saying, don't come to me with just religious duties, but then you're not obeying what I have asked you to do, which is to forgive. Because we have a whole culture of people who grew up in Christian homes, of people who said they were Christians, who did their religious duty, right? You go to church on Sunday, but as soon as you're home, mom and dad are screaming down each other's neck. You're bringing up things from 10 years ago that they clearly haven't forgiven. They see you hopping from church to church because they know you're offended with this person that is worthless there's no power in that that's just religious duty for the sake of being religious there's no working powerful miraculous blood of jesus transforming their lives and so that's why god says be reconciled we have the ministry of reconciliation he reconciled us to him and now we we have that ministry to reconcile with others and to help them be reconciled to God. And so it's very important that we obey. 1 Samuel 15 says obedience is better than sacrifice. <laughs> I Meaning don't, don't just come with your religious rituals, but you don't actually obey what I'm asking you to do. And we know that forgiveness and holding offense is very important. There were two examples in our extended family of this. There was an offense going on in, in, in um the extended family that lasted over a decade, a huge offense. And then the day came where some of these people in my family reconciled, true reconciliation, forgiveness. The relationship was restored. And after that point, we had several members of our family get saved. And I don't think that's a coincidence. And they even said, one of them even said, I could not believe that that God was real when I saw my Christian families treating each other like this. And so when that reconciliation happened, the power of that released salvation for the other family members. And we've had other examples of that in our family. So reconciliation is so important to be obedient to God and what he's asked us to do. I'm gonna close with one more story. I have a niece and her name is Bella. I put her picture in case you don't know her, but she is 10 years old and she did something last week that I thought man what a great example of what we're talking about on Sunday so i'm going to i'm going to share what she shared with me so her family lives in kind of like a little cul-de-sac and so there's lots of children that they have made friends with and so the there's three sisters next to her that they became very close and so they're out in the every day after school. and so more children have kind of joined them as the weeks have gone on. And so there's a girl that joined this group of friends who has been very cruel to Bella. She has called her names, she's cursed at her, she's spread rumors about her, so you would consider her that would be what you consider a bully. So she was bullying Bella and um, which Bella, you know, was not too bothered by, but just, you know, it was a point of frustration. And so Bella invited the three sisters that she had become friends with to Lovely Junior yesterday, which was yesterday, and it was excellent. We had 100 girls here for Lovely Junior. So last week, Bella invited these three girls to become her good friends, and she said, I'd like you to come to Lovely Junior with me. Well, this other girl that had been bullying Bella created an event at the same time on the same day and invited those girls so that they would not go with Bella, because she's, for some reason, trying to keep the kids in the neighborhood from liking Bella. So when Bella found out, and the girls were like, well, now we don't know because we got invited to this other party. So Bella went to bed that night very frustrated, very hurt. Because now not only was she, you know, hurt from the cruel things that were said to her, now, you know, her efforts of getting these girls into relationship were being thwarted. So she prayed and she said, God, what do I do? What do I do about this situation? And she felt God say to her, you are to invite the mean girl. You're not responsible for if she comes or not, but you invite her. And so she went to bed that night, determined she would do it the next day. So when they all went out to play the the girl approaches Bella and basically says, I heard you've been talking beef about me. And so she attacks Bella and says, you've been talking trash about me to all these these people. And Bella said, well, I haven't, I don't remember saying anything that wasn't true, but I have also heard that you've been saying bad things about me. She said, how about this? I would like to just put that behind us. I would like to be friends with you if you would allow it. So do you want to just start over and we can be friends? And the girl was taken back, took a moment, and she said, I would like that. I would like to be friends. So Bella hugged her and invited her to Lovely Junior. And yesterday, they all came. The bunny picture is the girl because I've kind of been putting her on blast, so if she starts coming here, I didn't want you all to be like, that was the mean girl, okay? (laughs) Because she can change, she doesn't have Christ, so we don't really expect anything different. But just to show, they came, reconciliation. Now listen, I want to think about what Bella had to do. She had to die to something in her flesh that wanted revenge, right? When you've been bullied, when someone's been mean, She had to die to that thing that said, she doesn't deserve to come with us on this fun day. She doesn't deserve my friendship. She doesn't deserve a second chance until she comes groveling to me and says, sorry for she had to die to those things. That's what forgiveness is. It's a death in you that we can do because Christ did it for us. And so when you are wrestling with offense with someone and you're just like, oh, I just want my pound of flesh. I just want a pound of flesh. I deserve this pound of flesh. Jesus was that pound of flesh for that person. That's the pound of flesh you get when you want revenge. Jesus, when you want, when you want to see that person humiliated, Jesus was humiliated for them. When you want vindication, when you want payback, Jesus paid that price for that person. Just like he paid it for me. When people want a pound of my flesh for the wrongs I've done, Jesus said I've covered that. And so when there's that thing, that offense in our hearts, that misunderstanding, that whatever it is, feeling underappreciated, and we're just like, I'm owed this. We have to remember, no, Jesus already fulfilled that. His body was beaten and took that punishment that I want to see happen to this person, but I'm letting it go. Let's stand and pray. Your homework, if you want it, a home assignment. I know our small groups are on breaks right now for a few more weeks, although they're gearing up and I think three more weeks they start again. But here's our our challenge to us i want us to ask the holy spirit right now in this week if there are any offenses in your heart because we want to be obedient to god we don't want blessing withheld from us because we have not obeyed him because there's sin in our hearts so we're going to ask the holy spirit right now to show us is there any area of offense in my heart towards someone And I want to also challenge you, I felt strongly that this was for someone here, whether first or second, but if you left a previous church because of an offense, I encourage you to be reconciled. doesn't mean you have to go back there, but I'm saying don't try to start new here when you have an offense in your heart there because you're you're closing the door to your own blessing because it's sin. So Holy Spirit, we ask, that you would show us today and this week, areas we've been holding offenses, hurts, unforgiveness. Lord, we want to be reconciled to you and we want to be your salt and light in this world. We we don't wanna be so fragile that we can't spend time with needy and irritating people, people that think differently than us, people that act differently than us. Father, help us grow emotionally spiritually, that we have thick skin, that we don't take everything so personal, that we're able to let it go and release it and say, Jesus, you were beaten, you were spit on, you were laughed at in that person's place. I'm not going to seek revenge. I'm not going to hope for vindication for myself because you were that price that was paid. Help us, Lord, release these offenses to you in the name of Jesus. That we can be free, that we can pray for blessing for those who've hurt us and cursed us. In Jesus' name, amen.